0: Welcome to The Nine Design, a podcast where we are looking at all nine Enneagram types in light of our culture as Aussies and our faith as followers of Jesus.
1: I'm Seth, a creative from Adelaide. And I'm Serena, a coach, and I live in Melbourne. We're excited to have you join us for The Nine Design. Let's discover together
0: the creative ways that we have been designed. This is Season 1, Episode 2. It's the first podcast of its kind covering the Enneagram and spirituality for Aussies. We're going to be looking at things like how the Enneagram helps us with self-development and growth. We're going to give an overview of what the Enneagram actually is. We're looking at the centers of intelligence and exploring all the different nine types. We're also going to look at the unseen connections between the types and have a question and response time where you guys get to be involved. And finally, we will finish this season by interviewing a special guest.
1: Thanks for listening. If you find this podcast helpful, we would love you to subscribe, share with your friends and leave us a review as it helps more people find us. Okay, let's
0: talk about the logo. We've got this different logo. It's a different take on the Enneagram symbol. Uh, You'll see that it's a crown and just like the original Enneagram symbol with the nine different points... This crown that we've got has nine points, and those nine points represent all the different types of humanity, uh, the different personalities, who we are as humans. Our take on this symbol is different. It's unique, I think, because what we're trying to do is capture the fact that, yes, we are uh, these different personality types, but there's something bigger than just us. We are actually part of a story that God has started from the beginning of time. Humanity is the crown of creation. We, we are the, the, the pinnacle of what God has done. We are God's image bearers. And there's this idea of uh, these two crowns in the Bible. We see the crown of thorns that Jesus puts on himself. And that represents the, the brokenness of all the different types of humanity, all the different personalities, all the different uh, hurts that we have had. He takes that, puts it on himself as the perfect human. Then we also see this other crown, the, the true crown, the king's crown, this like perfect crown where it's like, you know, I'm picturing a crown of gold and like these jewels and stuff on it. And and that is also humanity uh, redeemed, uh, the way that we were designed from the beginning to actually represent what it means to be a picture of, of our creator, the one who designed us.
1: Yeah, we were made in God's image. All nine Enneagram types show the different qualities of God and who he is, all reflecting a different piece of his unique design.
0: For us to know how we were wired and how we were designed, it's really important to know the one who made us, especially if he made us to reflect his characteristics, his strengths and those sort of things.
1: Mm, Absolutely. And sometimes during this podcast, you might hear us talking in terms of true self and false self. On the Enneagram, there are levels of health. You may have heard about this. And at the top levels, we're healthy. And that's us representing our true self. At the bottom levels, we are unhealthy. And that would be us representing our false self. And when we're talking about false self, we're talking more in terms of those qualities that might seem a bit yucky, that might not sit well in our hearts. And we might go, oh, I don't like that about myself. They're the parts of ourselves that we're referring to as the false self. Seth, do you want to talk about what the true self is? Yeah, because
0: this is where the good news sort of comes in. See, we've got this side of us that we are living the old man, the old person, the old, that's what the Bible sort of talks about, the old self. Uh, which we refer to as a false self. That's not who we were designed to be. That is us in our broken state, believing lies, that sort of thing. And so it's very easy to have that as uh, the lens that we wear when we're looking at other people and not listening to the Spirit. We're actually looking at people who are living in their false self, but we're assuming that's who they are, and so we treat them in that way. The good news is that as children of God, as adopted children, we can actually... Call that out of each other and see them not as that false self, but see them as the true, the renewed, the, the the person that God designed them to be. Even if they're not acting in that way, we can speak that good news. We can see them through that, give them the benefit of the doubt. Um, as Christians, we, we need to walk this line of not just seeing what we can see with our eyes, but seeing deeper into their heart, into their soul, So this is part of the reason why I think it is really, really important that just like the logo is, we're one one crown, um, we were actually designed to be one people, a a team of people.
1: Even the way that crown came about between Seth and I trying to work out how to how to de- design it how to draw it
0: yeah i was like let's get this done uh, i want it minimalistic i want it easy uh, i took the design i got rid of the circle got rid of a few little things and i'm like yep that looks like a crown let's go with it
1: i looked at what seth came up with and i thought that's not the <laughs> that's not the image i had in my mind and mm-hmm. being a type 6 my fear of creating a conflict in our relationship didn't want to actually say Oh, I'm not too happy with that crown,
0: Seth. <laughs> that looks terrible, is what you wanted to say, but you couldn't. Yep, yep.
1: Totally. <laughs> Hence started a few awkward days of me trying to map out what I was thinking <laughs> and the image I saw in my mind and trying to relate that to Seth in a really kind and gentle way.
0: Which you did. You did really well. Yep. <laughs>
1: and being super supportive and like, no, but you're doing really well and I'm trying to encourage you. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and so because we were working as a team, I was able to lean on my four wing, which we'll talk about wings later on, but I've I've got a very strong four wing. Uh and I was able to hear what you're saying and take that uh feedback in um in a way that was able to pr- like create this logo that I'm way way happier with than the original one. Um but if it was just left up to me as a three, I would have quickly moved on and and just settled with with what we had. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And I think that that, that is, a, is a really cool story to show that we all have different strengths and giftings and that the way we're designed actually can be super complementary uh, to each other. And, and if we take the time to work with each other's strengths and weaknesses and working within a framework of love and not of our false self, which might just say, OK, let's just move on quickly mm-hmm. or um, or me just going, oh, let's just not create conflict. I'll just say yes and it's fine. But secretly, I'm not happy with it. So I think that if we're moving in those those true self spaces, I think we can create something beautiful,
0: right? And so this we need we need each other. We need more than just uh, me and one person. We need like the full body, right? All nine different types. So a really healthy community is one that has uh, isn't just full of threes or full of sixes or full of fours or whatever, um, but has this uh, mixture of types. Um, We are one body, all different parts with different purposes. And it's so cool. And uh, Serena, you mentioned this idea of like a kingdom identity. So like who we are in God's kingdom. uh, And I just love that because as part of this community, we are able to speak that into each other because we have these blind spots. We have lots of things I, I don't recognize about myself and I need people to speak into it. And so to get this inner work actually to to happen in us. uh, As we said in one of the guidelines uh, is we we need community for that to Mm. actually happen, for lasting change to actually come about.
1: Absolutely. And by sharing your type with others, you're actually inviting them into this sacred place where you're saying, this is a part of me that is maybe not so attractive, maybe not so sparkly. And I'm inviting you into that. And that's why we say like, so great to do it within community but also to respect each other's differences and to hold our Enneagram types in a really uh, loving and vulnerable space because people can throw around types but and go oh that's such a three thing to say but then actually by Seth sharing that he is a three with me, I instantly know oh Seth struggles with shame and deceit and that's actually not a pretty personality trait to admit to. And by him knowing I'm a six, conversely, he, he's then thinking, oh, well, she struggles with fear and anxiety. So I'm allowing him into that space and going, well, yeah, you know that about me now. And that's actually a bit of a sacred space. So just just be careful when people share their Enneagram types with you. Know that that's a, a place of vulnerability and it's not a party trick.
0: Yeah, and have the confidence to share that with the close people around you, knowing that mm. in those healthy relationships, uh Like that vulnerability is a beautiful thing and yes, it can, it could be abused, but one of the great things about knowing who you are in Jesus, you don't have to prove yourself to someone. You don't have to mimic other people. You don't have to try and be someone you're not. You can be yourself and to have those around you, the close people around you who know that and speak life into that and are able to remind you of those true identities, That that is, that is really good. And that, that is where that transformation actually happens in community.
1: And even the way our crown is structured and the way the Enneagram symbol is structured, has all the connecting lines. So you might've seen those. And that displays how we need to be connected to each other in order to function at our best. So when you're looking at the Enneagram, when you're finding your type, the most important thing is to find your core number first. So we start there. Then when you're looking at the Enneagram, you can go, okay, there are numbers all around. There are these lines that connect. What do they mean? Now, Seth mentioned that he has a four wing. And Seth, can you explain what a wing is? Right.
0: So uh, I'm a type three, right? That's that's kind of my uh, default. I go back there. And what that means is I can lean to the number beside me, uh, which is a four. And I can take on some of the behaviors of a four. Uh, and I can actually, in many cases, look very much like a four, the way that I act, the way that I um, operate in different ways. But my motivation is still a three motivation. And I can do this to my two wing as well on the other side. Um, I can lean there and take some of that. But right now, this stage of life four is my strongest side wing.
1: Yeah. And that's a good point. A lot of people have one wing that is more developed than the other. And the goal with the Enneagram is to develop both wings. So like a bird, we can fly more evenly and not be lopsided. Now, you might have also noticed there are arrows pointing away from each number and arrows pointing towards each number. And we don't want to get too caught up on those, but a basic description of that would be the arrow moving away from your number is the number you go towards when you're a bit more stressed you borrow some of those stressed unhealthy behaviors of the other number that it's pointing to and when the arrow is moving towards the number that it's coming from is the positive and healthy behaviors from that type that you're able to access it's important to note that your core type will never change that is a question that sometimes i get asked does your core number change over the course of your life any experts say that no you were most likely born with your type. Uh, there are differing thoughts on that, but yeah, most most people think you're born with your type and that doesn't change, but you can borrow behaviours from those other four numbers that we're connected to on the Enneagram. The goal as well is to catch yourself in those moments. We talked about becoming more self-aware. So those, those behaviours that I'm borrowing from my wings or my arrow points, they're the ones I can most easily catch myself behaving in rather than my core six behaviours. I can easily go, oh, that was was more of a seven thing to do because it's not my natural functioning or my natural tendencies. So knowing that can be super helpful when finding your type.
0: Now, if this seems a little bit overwhelming, maybe you're very new to the Enneagram. There's a bunch of other stuff we've just been talking about here. Just remember that canvas picture. Right now, we're just sketching out some of the things. The thing you need to focus on is the one type don't worry about the wings or the arrows yet that that is a color and that will be added to the canvas later we're just letting everyone know that's the direction we're heading So when you're thinking of that canvas and we're sketching some of the really key and important parts, one of the most important things when we're coming to the Enneagram for the first time is understanding intelligence centers, or some people call them triads. Serena, would you sort of let us in on that? Explain what that is in a, in a very simple uh, way, and then we will build on that as it goes.
1: Yeah, I love to start the conversation about the intelligence centers by the, using this verse I found in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, which says, You were designed to love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, and with every thought that is within you. And I think that's just a beautiful picture of how we function in our relationship with God and our relationship with others and how he's designed us. And the Enneagram is uniquely broken into those three sections of head heart and body and we all have access to all three and it's important to know this but one of these intelligence centers is going to be closer to the surface than the others so it's going to be the most knee-jerk natural reaction for our responses all nine enneagram types will fall into one of these intelligence centers And it's basically how we perceive the world and process our life experiences. What's really interesting is that neurobiology is now confirming this. Dr. David Daniels, who was a professor of psychiatry and behavioral studies at Stanford Medical School for over 30 years, found in his research that science recognizes that we as humans, as well as mammals, share in common three centers of intelligence, centers from which we experience, perceive, and make discernments about what we are engaging with. And these are all happening at a subconscious level. We're not even aware of them. Being a six, I'm in the thinking center and I'm not always going, oh, well, I have to think about this first before I can do anything. And it's just in my automated reaction.
0: So basically each type is processing the world through either the head or the heart or through the, the body or the gut instinct. Um and we'll have a particular way of coping with that dominant base of that intelligence center. So you, you mentioned uh, the gut or the body. Um, what does that look like?
1: Yeah. So people in the body center, they will process the world through their instinct and their intuition. They will often struggle to adapt. They, they hold their ground. They are strong, firm, action-oriented, doing kind of people. You you may experience them having strong body language. They are present in the room. They are always thinking ahead of like well, let's just do, let's just not, let's just not spend all this time thinking and feeling. Let's just do stuff. Let's just get it done. So that that's that kind of value orientation for the people in the body center. Uh, their most accessible response or reaction is actually anger or frustration, and that's an interesting one and not something that you might initially think. But each type in the body center has a different coping mechanism to deal with anger.
0: That's interesting. So mm. if they come into a situation, you know, something happens to access that sort of instinctual gut action, mm. um, what thoughts are going through their head? What question might come
1: to mind. So often people in the body center are thinking, how am I doing? Am I keeping up? Notice that doing, it's that, am I doing the right thing? Is, um, what more can I do? And there is an interesting anomaly in each intelligence center that we're not going to talk about extensively in this episode, but we'll touch on in future episodes, is there is an anchor type in each intelligence center that has a different spin on these, on these coping mechanisms. And we'll explore that later, but it's super interesting. And mm. they don't have the exact same re- reactional response as everyone else in that triad. Okay, so they
0: look kind of different to the mm. other two. Okay, yes. um, what about the the heart, the feeling, the, that that group?
1: Mm.
0: What does that look like?
1: People in the feeling center are motivated by attention and validation, so they will be processing the world through their feelings and emotions. Um, they. They want connection with others because they are so motivated by attention. They they want that connection. They're looking through a relational lens. They are um, more dependent on people. Uh, they're less independent. They're more interdependent. Uh, they will um, – you will find them very warm and engaging and they they just want to connect with you.
0: Mm. Uh, I'm in this triad. I'm in this intelligence center here. Uh Tell me, what, what would I be thinking if I come into a situation? What sort of questions do you think would be entering my head?
1: Mm. So often um, people in the heart center are thinking, who am I? Ah, that's right. How did you know that? <laughs> and I think that's all played off. I'm so focused about what everybody else, you know, needs me to be, who they need me to be, who am I to them, uh, who am I for them, that they forget to think, well, who am I? So, yeah, that's a really interesting one with the, with the people in the heart center. All
0: right. So tell us about the the third one, the, the head, the thinking um, center.
1: So people in the thinking center, which I'm a part of, they're motivated by safety and security. And that appears really differently in each of those um, head types because we're processing through the world through our minds or engaging through the mental activity. Uh, often people in the thinking centre will say statements like, if you just had the right perspective, everything would be okay. Have you thought of it like this? Just get your thinking right. You know, things will work out. Um, So you can see it's kind of that mental reasoning. That's where their safety lies. Not so much in how they're feeling or not so much in their, you know, action and doing. Um, They trust in reason and thought. They will weigh up, you know, all the data, all the information before they make a decision. They will look at every angle, you know, and that that's where they find if I do that, if I cover all my bases, have all the information, then I can make informed decisions and that will be the right decision to make. Then I can act. When I was first learning my Enneagram type and I was tossing between a type 2 or a type 6 and because they're in different intelligence centres, I had to ask myself a question of does my thoughts – dictate my emotions or do my emotions dictate my thoughts? That's
0: a good question. Mm.
1: And that was really helpful when typing because as soon as I had that question, I thought, oh, it's totally it, – everything starts in my head uh, and right. then then my emotions respond second.
0: Okay. So then I guess that would lead into the the thought of what questions, if you're thinking all the time, what what is the question that is with you guys?
1: So because people in the thinking centre – Uh, their most accessible response or reaction is fear or anxiety. Uh, The questions that we are often thinking is, where am I in this time and space? Am I okay in this? And I think that's connected to fear and anxiety over, you know, where am I? Am I making the right decision here?
0: So basically each type processes the world either through the head, the heart, or the, the body. Uh, and they'll have a particular way of coping with that dominant emotion that's based from that intelligence center. So someone in the, let's say, the gut-body um, center, could you just give me examples of what they're going through mm. when, they, when they step into a room and something happens and they respond? Talk me through
1: that. So people in the gut center, body center, they're motivated by autonomy and respect. They want to be independent and they want people to respect them. And I think that links to their action-oriented behaviors. So when they walk into a room, they will stand their ground. They'll also be assessing who's in charge here because they're thinking, if no one's stepping up, then I'll need to step up. There needs to be some kind of action here and, and I'll make that happen if no one else is. You'll also notice they'll be thinking about how, oh, gosh, it's hot in this room, or oh, I'm starving, I've got to eat something. They're very aware of their bodies. So that will kind of come first. When they're sick, you know it. It's just not, I'm not coping with this sickness right now, because their first instinct is through their body. So that's an interesting take on the emotions and responses of a of a gut or a body person.
0: Right. So how good is that to have people around you who are aware of those things who are thinking, "Oh no one 's leading. I need to lead uh, like that 's awesome we need We need those sort of people um, so i 'm really glad we have you guys who are out there in that uh, intelligence center uh, tell tell me a little bit about the heart and the feelings center what What does that look like when they step into a room what what 's going through their head what are they thinking what 's motivating them
1: so when they walk in a room. They're kind of feeling the social temperature of the room. How are people responding to me? Um, Am I being well-received? Who in this room am I going to connect best with? So they are always thinking um, relationally. They are interdependent on others. So unlike the body centre people who are autonomy the heart center people are interdependent. They want others. They want a connection with people. So they're looking for that when they when they walk into a room. And interestingly, their most accessible response or reaction is shame. We talk about shame in, in upcoming episodes, but it's basically um, not that I did something wrong. It is I am something wrong. So that leads into the, the heart center question Uh, which is kind of in the background of their thoughts all the time, is who am I?
0: Wow. And and, and in the same way or in a different way, but similar, like to have people in a room who are thinking of other people, very relational, uh, how are you feeling? How is this, you know, like um, we need them. Like that Mm -hmm. is so good to have on the team. So- We've talked about gut. We've talked about heart. What about the head, the, the, the thinking center? What, are, what happens through their mind when they step into a room?
1: Mm-hmm. When they step into a room, they're analyzing the data of the environment. So they might go, well, that person – don't really connect with them, I'm going to avoid them. and And they might read the room differently to a heart person who's looking for that connection. They're thinking, who am I going to get some mental stimulation from? Who am I going to have a great conversation with because that will really get me thinking. It's sort of and it's that's subconscious, so i'm I'm playing that out. but that is more of a subconscious thing, but that's kind of what they're looking for when they walk into a room. They are engaging the world through their mental activity. They trust their reason and thought way more than they would trust their intuition or their emotions. And that's what sets them apart.
0: Okay, so what you're saying is there's these three different uh, intelligence centers that we're interpreting the world around us through these three different spaces, head, heart, and body. Uh, And that's awesome when you're thinking in light of what it means uh, to be a community, a kingdom community, right, this identity found uh, in who we really are. Wouldn't we want every part of our body to be experiencing, understanding, and seeing God and reflecting through that. So if it was just a bunch of people in the heart, we would miss out the head and we'd miss out the body side, and if it was vice versa, right? So it's such a beautiful way that God has designed us not only different personalities but totally different lenses within those different uh, sections on how to view the world. I think it's becoming a little more clear now that we are nine by design. It isn't just about me and my personality. The logo sort of captures how we uh, are wired differently, but we're also wired together. And the intelligence centers shows how there's the clusters of even among the very different personality types, very similar ways of viewing the world.
1: The Enneagram doesn't just give us insights into how we process, perceive and present to the world. But through our dominant intelligence centers, it gives us a glimpse into how we best connect and commune with God the way he uniquely designed us to. People who struggle to find their natural way of connecting with him will find that by accessing their dominant intelligence center, a greater freedom to express how to love God best and, and in a more natural, easy way.
0: Right. We get to experience God's love. We get to learn how to love God back through the heart, through the head, through the the, the body, the gut. Um, it's this idea of it's not just about me. It's not just about my personality. We've got God here. We've got ourselves. And then we've got those around us. And the Enneagram really gives language and uh, a, a tool for us to, to live that out.
1: Totally. And we're going to finish this episode with one of my favorite quotes by Chris Hewitt's in the Sacred Enneagram, poses these three questions. Can we learn to listen to God in our minds, trusting in the silence underneath the clutter of noise? Can we learn to trust the voice of God that speaks to our hearts through feelings of pain and peace? Can we learn to sense God at work in our bodies, speaking to us through our resistance and our openness? Next week, we encourage you to reflect on the Chris Hewitt quote and ask yourself each of the three questions and be honest with your answers.
0: Next week, we're going to talk a lot more about the intelligence centres, starting with the body and then moving from there. We're also going to look at some unseen connections in episodes to come and have a question response time. And of course, we're going to end with a special guest. Thanks for listening. Again, if you find this podcast helpful, we would love you to subscribe, to share with your friends and leave us a review anywhere that you're listening to this because it will help other people find us.
1: And remember, you were designed to reflect the original.